You're listening to the Sagas and Sass podcast. This episode features audio from a previously aired live video webcast. Welcome to Sagas and Sass Season 3, brought to you by Geek Saga Entertainment. I'm Tara, along with fellow host Nick. This episode will cover parts 1 and 2 of The Bronzed Beasts, the final installment in Roshoni Chokshi's Gilded Wolves trilogy. If you're watching live, join us in the chat or after the fact. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Sagas and Sass to continue the conversation. Please note that the views expressed in the show are those of the hosts as individuals and do not necessarily represent the show as a whole. And don't forget that we now have a Patreon with 10 tiers ranging from $1 a month to $40 a month. It offers tons of ways to support us and receive some really great perks in return. You can check it out at patreon.com slash geeksaga underscore entertainment. The end of the Silvered Serpents left our cookies in a pretty dark place with the loss of Delphine. Sophia worried about her sister, Enrique sans one ear, Severon now under Ruslan's control, and Layla having destroyed his Nemo bug that would tell her where they could next meet. Clearly, this crew really just can't catch a break, and we'd say we're reserving judgment on why, but let's be real, a lot of this is more Severon's fault than anything else. Plus, we were left wondering where they all actually would or could go next. But before we can dive back into the present, the Bronze Beasts introduce a new prologue character. We actually get to learn a bit more about Severon's hashtag real mom, Kahina, as opposed to Delphine hashtag you're not my real mom. Kahina clearly loves Severon, though she wasn't really allowed to spend much time with him because apparently his hashtag real dad was kind of a huge jerk and she was super important of her own accord because as we now know she is descended from the lost muses and therefore she and any one of her bloodline can play the divine liar a dangerous instrument that seems far more likely to wreak havoc than to do any good no matter what severon with his god complex thinks the knowledge of how dangerous the liar truly is drove kahina to beg Delphine for help in watching over Severon, though Kahina is never truly able to give him the advice she herself once received, that being in your hands lie the gates of godhood, let none pass. Unfortunately for Kahina and all of us, it seems like Severon is still real set on his idea of becoming some sort of god, even as he deals with Ruslan, testing his loyalty and thinks about how he can get away with it from his captor. Meanwhile, back in the sleeping palace, Layla is both shocked and happy when Enrique and Zofia wake up. Hypnos also rejoins them, and while the Nemo bug is, of course, still destroyed, and Hypnos only has bits and pieces of the info they need, they at least figure out their next step. The cookies are off to Venice! Once there, though, it's not all gondolas and romance. Well, okay, it's kind of mostly gondolas and romance, but things like visiting a cemetery so they can find the key to Delphine's safe house and Layla having strange bouts of what seems to be near-complete sensory loss get in the way just a little bit. Eventually, they are ensconced in their new abode where, without Severon to help guide them, Hypnos, Layla, and Zofia begin turning to Enrique for knowledge and even leadership. Oh, and uh, speaking of Severon, he's still off trying to figure out how to get Ava on his side and escape from Ruslan's clutches while also seeming to finally kind of realize when his friends don't show up at the appointed meeting place just how big of a jerk he is. 
But enough about Severin, because the far more interesting cookies have figured out where they need to go next, only it involves, well, not a heist per se, but them being able to trick their way into a VEP, very exclusive party, one that is hosted by an Italian Order of Babel House, House Janus, and which even Hypnos has never been invited to. Hypnos. <gasps> <gasps> Thankfully, the safe house actually holds the clues they need to figure out where to go to get said invitation. And as it turns out, Severin ends up being in the same place at the same time and reunites with Layla. <sighs> he apparently has a plan, which he passes on to Enrique the next day via a message in an apple. A message that is actually meant for Zofia because it involves um, blowing up Ruslan's gondola. While Sophia is able to work with Enrique and Hypnos to plant the explosive, and this does lead to a very sweet first kiss between her and Enrique, in the process, she loses a letter from her sister that she had yet to read, which kind of puts a damper on things. As for Severin, in a somewhat surprising twist, he actually succeeds in smuggling the liar out of Ruslan's lair before he heads off to House Janice's party. Once there, it's like one windfall after another. Severin finds the rest of the cookies almost immediately, and they have a pretty darn easy time of it figuring out how to find the mine forged map to Pavaglia, the place where Severin can supposedly safely play that damn liar. Sure, there's a weird battle with a glass dragon that guards House Janice's important Mindforge maps, but they escape mostly without a scratch, and then it's off to meet Ava, who it seems is in fact on their side now, as she is about to help them um, blow Ruslan's gondola up. Yes, with Ruslan in it. Eesh. However, in case you haven't noticed, how could you not, though? We sure have. It's about time for something to go awry. And in this case, that thing is Sophia's explosive being somewhat stronger than expected, leading to Severin taking a very serious, in fact, a seemingly deadly wound from a piece of shrapnel. And it is with that crazy cliffhanger that we dive, or maybe fall, into our discussion of the first half of the Bronzed Beasts. So, real quick, Nick, because you weren't here on our last episode, mm -hmm. what are your kind of brief thoughts, summaries, etc., of the second half of the Silvered Serpent? Um, basically, Severon continues to be the worst, which obviously also continues into this book. But it just continues to amaze me how just how self-centered he is, and how. While he's supposed to be this person who sees the larger picture, he cannot seem to do that for people. Uh, he he can create all these amazing plots and schemes and things, but he doesn't seem to be able to understand how badly his actions hurt others. And that it, as long as he's doing everything for the greater good, or his perception of that, which apparently means him becoming a god, uh, anything is justified. And we see him sort of in hindsight, uh, Enrique un start understands just how little Severan cares or at least is able to see the damage that he does uh in what he thinks is for the greater good and then of course we had the whole him and layla getting together which was just a mess on multiple <laughs> levels yeah yeah which i know even though you had to miss the episode 
yeah. we had a very lengthy chat about it between you know between all four of us hosts and or well it's most I think it was mostly you and Nami and me being like I'm sorry guys I'm really busy with work but yeah. I, I, I'm very into this conversation and I will copy all these thoughts I promise that was a very it was a very messy like oh okay so they're t they got together again uh great I guess <laughs> which you know like going into it I didn't really want to have happen in the first place but it also was under like the worst set of circumstances or almost the worst set of circumstances that I can imagine for them. Mm -hmm. Like it just was terrible. And uh, I don't want to rehash the whole conversation that Nami and I had, particularly because we're having it kind of, uh, <laughs> I, I would imagine she talked some about her perspective last time. Oh, of course. Uh, and I don't want to dive too much into my perspective this time, but like, uh at a minimum there were a lot of questions about whether anybody involved could consent fully consent to that mm -hmm. um and so even if i had wanted them to get together which i did not i still would have been like "Ooh, this is yucky so oh there's that then we have uh one thing that i did really like was zofia coming in to kind of save the day on the ice beast. That was amazing. Yes. And we didn't really talk about that all that much uh, in our last episode because we got a little bit too deep into too any other thing. But yes, no, Zofia, I would love to see that on screen. Just saying. Mm -hmm. Zofia charging in on an ice, was it was a deer or a, sta a stag, I think. A stag, I think. Yeah, and uh, I just, I love when characters like Zofia in particular, um, Enrique uh, and to a little lesser extent, um, but when they get moments to shine, because we get so much focus on Leila and Severan, and even Enrique to, to a large extent, but Zofia, uh, I feel like, doesn't get as many chances to shine, and I really love when she does. Yeah, I agree. I think some of that comes with her personality and the mm -hmm. fact that she's on the spectrum. Uh, yes. I mean, to be honest, I, I kind of feel like all of them, but Layla are probably somewhat on the spectrum, but she is the one that is very obviously written as, as that way. And because of that, yeah, she, she doesn't, she doesn't shine as much as I guess she could or should maybe. I, I don't know, but I, she also doesn't really want to, I think, right. She just wants to do yeah. her work, right. She doesn't want attention on her. She'll act the part when she has to, but doesn't love it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which is almost verbatim what she says, uh, in this section of the book, yes, uh, yeah. <laughs> bronze beasts is she talks about how, she likes when she's given acting assignments as long as they are very defined yes. and she knows exactly what she's going, she's supposed to do because then she knows like, oh, this is how I'm supposed to behave, which is very interesting. But yeah, overall, I felt like the, at the end of the last book was a lot of action, uh, lots of things that made me dislike Severan even more than I already did. Um, and I don't, I just, I'm, I'm very curious and I, I think we'll get into this a little bit 
in our discussion of Bronze Beast, but I'm just really curious where the author is going with this character. Because it's hard for me to imagine... No, let me scratch that. There is no redemption arc that could happen in the second half of this book that would pay off everything that's happened in the first two and a half books. So I'm, 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 I'm left with a lot of questions about him. Yeah, it's sort of like when you know somebody who's just kind of an overall terrible person, you've seen them do terrible things to others, you've, they've done terrible things to you maybe, and then time goes by and you hear that they're, I don't know, they are holding down a good job, have a what, what appears to be a happy relationship. Maybe they're raising some kids and seem like they might be a really good parent. And it's like, I mean, that's all well and good for you, but that doesn't necessarily redeem you for all the awful things you did before. Exactly. And it's like, there, there, there's a, I don't know if it's a quote or not, which is why I'm, I'm tripping over a little bit, but at any rate, the concept of just because somebody improves themselves, just because they even make up for something that they did wrong does not mean that you have to forgive them. Sadly, I have a bad feeling that Severin, if he lives, is absolutely going to get forgiven because this is YA, you know, Mm -hmm. but I guess we'll see. Um, on that note, we're already talking a little bit about Severin, so we might as well dive into some talking points that you mentioned earlier. Is he the real villain of the series? And I guess we have to put villain in kind of broad terms, right? Like, obviously, he's not villainous in the way that Ruslan is villainous, at least not yet. Uh, He's not villainous. Right, he's not villainous in the way that uh, knife hat man or mm-hmm. I have I can't remember the other guy's name and I was I have, just for some reason the name Rochambeau is coming to mind and I know that is like not I know why that's coming to mind and I know that it's not at all his name. Um, Rosier is that it? Ro- Ro- no, Rosier is also a real person. Shit. <laughs> Whatever the fuck that guy, the French guy, right from yeah. one who died who killed Tristan. Like these are villains in the sense of the like the obvious sense of the word Mm -hmm. but severin is i mean he's he's kind of the villain in in his own and his friends stories and that he he should be better than he is and he ends up being kind of terrible to that to everyone that, that he is supposed to or supposedly care cares about so i mean i guess villain maybe isn't the right word but he is He's not he's not a hero in my mind. He's he's not even an anti-hero. He's just kind of an ass. I just I I don't know. Like, what, are, what are your thoughts on him on whether or not he's he's actually a villain in some sort of So sense? what I think will happen, and I have no idea, but what I think will happen is he, you know, practically dies, but ultimately survives. And that serves as his like fulcrum for his redemption arc. And that he then, you know, they all talk about all the things that go wrong. And ultimately he turns back from pursuing godhood because he loves his friends so much. What I think would actually be cool 
is if she wrote this where the end of this book is him becoming the villain. And then that leads into a different saga. I don't think that's what's going to happen. But I think it would be really cool if he ended up essentially saying, no, I do need to keep pursuing godhood. And that alienates him from all of his friends. And he ends up becoming the villain of sort of the next chapter of wherever this could go. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I think it's far more likely that he would die than become the villain, especially especially with his... Oh, yeah. yeah I mean, almost his, anything is more likely. Than yeah, that. especially with his realization, his current realizations about, like, how much he... Finally realizing how much he really actually screwed up with his friends, right? Mm-hmm. But it took, it took them not showing up for him. And that's just, like... Yep. That's not a redemption arc, my man. Like, like realizing that the people you care about, but also were an ass to, gave up on you because you were such an ass, and wanting to re- like wanting to redeem yourself, wanting to be better because of that. Like, that's just, I, I, I that's like being sorry because you got caught. Yes, exactly. It's not exactly, obviously, he's not caught at anything. He, he, he but yeah, it's, it's that's exactly what it is. It's like, I'm sorry, I got caught, so now I have to fix things. Like, ugh, Absolutely. it's literally, it's like every fucking worst abusive relationship or like, or like cheater that I dated, like, they weren't sorry that they did it, they were only sorry that they didn't get away with it. it yes, that is nail head. All that stuff. And I, I really hope Roshni Chakshi uh, proves us wrong, right? Like there's something in this last chunk of the book that ch- that changes our perspective. And I don't know what that would look like. It, it could be killing him and and basically saying like the, there is no real redemption for him. Or it could be uh, something that we just can't see right now that does actually somehow redeem him mm-hmm. but right now to me and and this is another one of the sort of discussion points that i brought up uh, around him was right now i feel like the series would be better without him he essentially serves as a plot device right like he's the one who can play the liar and so unspooling that uh the liar is what's needed uh to change all of this and that he's the only one that can uh, that can play it is really his only point up until this stage because we're now learning that together as a team the rest of the people on the team could figure most of the things that Severon has been figuring out mm-hmm. without him mm-hmm. so he's not really like in the in the the first book well two books really we're led to believe oh he's the only one who can do this sort of um putting all the pieces together yeah stuff and that they need him because of that and he's kind of the he's not kind of he is the leader right but if his skill set is not actually unique and he's just a huge asshole the only thing really left is okay he can play the liar but how useful is it to the actual development of 
the character. Of all of these characters, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's well, and, and you know, even in even from the beginning, like especially especially now that we have seen Enrique actually, you know, maybe not do it as quickly as Severin has, but mm -hmm. because he, he also had to step into this after feeling like he wasn't listened to, like nobody paid attention to him for so long. He had to step into this role where they looked to him. And yes, he's a little slower at it than Severin was, but he's Absolutely. catching on real damn quick. And he also has a lot of knowledge. So he might not have that sort of innate ability to do whatever the fuck Severin does. But really, it's kind of like <laughs> because seeing Enrique step into it and, and be pretty good at it uh, with just a little bit of encouragement and work, it, it makes me look back to the beginning and think, okay, so now at this point, if Enrique always mm -hmm. could have done this, if Severin hadn't kind of been there doing it for everybody, the only thing that Severin really served as in the beginning was the person that brought them all together. And now do I think that any other character could have done that? Not, no, I don't. I really don't. But Right. That still makes him nothing more than the plot device who brought them together and then later can play the divine liar. Right, exactly. And that, to me, if you if you if that is all that a character serves, then and being a jerk, that and being a jerk. <laughs> or yeah, that and being <laughs> almost an antagonist to the rest of the protagonists. Seriously. Maybe not a villain, but I would argue that he, you could call him an, an antagonist to all the other protagonists. I just, I, I don't feel like that's a good character. I feel like there's a flaw in that character, not as in uh, the character is flawed, uh, has flaws, right? More that it is inherently flawed as a character if that is its only purpose. It's yeah. kind of like Tristan in the first book, right? Like we never really got a fleshed out version of Tristan. He served as a plot device that was part Severon's motivation and part this is how they get betrayed and how the end of the book spools itself out. Yeah. And we talked, I think, in that episode it might have even been the first two episodes when we were talking about all the characters that we just didn't really get a good like sense of who Tristan is. Mm -hmm. And while obviously we get tons more POV for Severon because, well, Tristan had zero POV and Severon has too much. Probably, yeah. Like <laughs> probably close to half of the POV, even though uh, we have four characters um i just still don't feel that connected to him other than ooh, gross go away well and i i want to read this passage because it kind of is a good it, it really highlights just how ugh, severin is and like mm -hmm. how i, I like i'm you, I have not looked it up because I didn't want to be spoiled for anything. And I also didn't, I just didn't want to see people's incorrect opinions. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's the first time Layla and Severin. Yeah, it is. It's, it's when they meet up in the, the mask. I, I it, it, they're, they call it something in Italian. I'm, I'm not going to, I didn't write it down. I'm not going to look it up, but it's when they meet up in the place where they are getting the masks that will show them where the house Janice party is. And Severin says, 
to Layla. I know my actions and Lake by call looked imaginably cruel. And Layla says, actually, they didn't. I wish I could say I was surprised, and yet I wasn't. You had already changed so much. Which, first of all, I don't think that's true. He hadn't changed. He was always like this. <laughs> you had already changed so much. Everything, every person was disposable to you. All this time, you thought you could get away with devastation so long as it justifies some irrational calculus in your head. And now you apologize for being unimaginably cruel? Layla laughed. What you did was so in line with who you are that when I became conscious, I wanted nothing to do with you. I smashed that Nemo butterfly because I knew there was nothing you could show me that I wanted to see, nothing you could leave me that I wanted to chase. And this brings to mind like a conversation I've had in the past with some friends after a bad relationship that I had where Severin he treats the people around them like he he is the playable character and everybody else is an npc to him mm -hmm. he uses them he abuses them he he has conversations with them but they they don't in his mind they're not worthy of furthering his own plot they're just tools for him to use and he specifically talks I no i agree completely and he talks about how a lot of the reasons why he makes the decisions that he does regarding them is because he wants to keep them around and he's worried that they will leave because he doesn't see a reason for them to stay other than the motivations that he knows of whether that's um you know towards the beginning of the saga whether it's layla's need to find uh the, the divine at that time uh lyrics we later learn liar um enrique's desire to join the oh i'm blanking on their name the group that he wants to yeah, belong yeah, to yeah. the group of scholars um, the group Sophia's of uh, filipino, filipino scholars i think specifically mm -hmm. yes um he always views things in those terms as opposed to maybe like he wants to help them fulfill those things only because it then gets him what he wants. And then as soon as that starts to um, uh, become disparate, like with Enrique's pursuits, he undermines it because he needs to control everything. And it's just so like... I, to be honest, I think like I think it's a, it's a little bit of a problem with the author with Roshni Chukchi mm -hmm. wanting to write like a bad boy. And mm -hmm. as much as I love so many of these characters, she did, if that's what she wanted with Severin was just like a bad boy. Nothing about this is, is enjoyable or good. Nothing about his character is enjoyable yeah. or good. I think we are supposed to believe that he actually, no, I know, I know we are supposed to believe that he yes. wants to keep these friends around because he cares about them. He loves them. Right. But that's not the way it, reads when everything he does like you said is super selfish like undermining it's particularly and we talked about this a lot two weeks ago but i don't mind bringing it up again because i think it's very important and i think it's also mm -hmm. important for enrique especially right now that severin is back in his life after you know a few days apart but enrique was doing so well without him but like you know undermining enrique's desire or or, or Enrique's it, it attempts to do what he really wanted to do with his life because it didn't serve Severin, right? So yeah. It, 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 yeah, it's very much, it, it, it reeks of control 
like the need to control and, and narcissism yes yes oh. like i just i just connected that for myself that like i i i think severon is deeply narcissistic and it's part probably part of the reason why i dislike his character so much um I mean, and I had to deal with narcissists and they're fucking awful. And I'll give it this, right? I'll give it this. I think that for sure, because I, I've known people in these situations before, narcissism absolutely can, it, it, it is ingrained in a person, but it can also come from things that they've dealt with in the past, right? Mm -hmm. And, but that does not excuse like a person's past and the abuse or, bad shit that they've endure, endured does not excuse them continuing to abuse other people because of their narcissism. And yeah, I, Severin is, is I don't want to say necessarily textbook narcissist, but certainly, certainly has some hardcore tendencies that, because... I mean, I, I think it also didn't help that he's never really wanted for anything right? He, he might've lost his, oh, I'm the head of house Vanth, you know, mm -hmm. standing, but he still had all the money that came from it and was able to do all these things and kind of do whatever he wanted outside of being involved with the order of Babel directly. So yeah, it's, it, it's, and I just, I keep coming back to Enrique, and I think this is a good because I'm already exhausted with talking about suffering. <laughs> uh, this is a good segue, sort of uh, maybe not good, but it's at least halfway decent <laughs> segue into some things I want to talk about regarding Enrique. And I want to start with because this be, this kind of goes back to some things we were talking about a little bit ago, but I want to start with a passage. But so Enrique mm -hmm. is remembering a time where he was practicing to audition to be the hero in a school play, only to be told by the nun running the auditions that he didn't want to be the hero. It was too much work and too many lines. And the front of the stage was a place of terror and he didn't belong there specifically. So he's cast as a tree. And the passage itself, the thing I'm going to actually quote is, further attempts ended the same way. Enrique entered writing contests only to find that his opinions had not found an audience. He would try out for debate contests, and if they didn't dismiss his ideas outright, they would take one look at his face, the Spanish features blending with his Visayan heritage, and in the end, all the responses were the same. You don't belong. And I think there's, you know, there's a, definitely a deeper thing there involving racism, for sure. Mm -hmm. But I think also a lot of that is for whatever reason, I don't think it was that Enrique's ideas were bad or anything like that, but for whatever reason, his entire life, he's been told, no, you can't be this person that you think you are, that you think you want to be. Mm -hmm. And he thought he had that with Severin. And then he finds out like, again, that we already discussed that Severin undermines his big attempt like he he finally had something big to say and he spent all of his money by the way mm -hmm. like that's something that he, it's only it's kind of glossed over but he spent basically all of his savings 
to rent this room and get this thing catered and invite, you know, and then he invited all these illustrados, illustrados. That's what they're called. Yes. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. Go me. Was, I knew it would come to me. the shit out of me. <laughs> and then, you know, and they don't, nobody shows up and he's just devastated. And I've, I honestly, like, I was like heartbroken for him in that mm -hmm. moment. And then you find out that they didn't show up because Severin, paid them off not to and it's just like and then reading you know this this passage where enrique talks about how all of his life he'd been told you're not good enough for some reason and and it's weird because i and i guess maybe part of it is because we're seeing him as a pov i have mm -hmm. never thought of it that way i have always especially as 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 yeah i don't want to call myself a historian because that's like I am not that, but I, I have a history degree. I'm, I, I read a lot of history books. I, yes, this is, these are things I enjoy. I know a lot about history. So I've really enjoyed Enrique from that perspective. And I don't know. I just, and also, and also he seems to be like an outgoing kind of lovable little dude. Mm -hmm. And Oh, gosh, even that sounds that 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 sounds like hey, I'm ahead, love a little dude. Well, I, don't, I, I, I don't mean to, I don't mean to like be like oh, okay, but yeah, but so viewing him from from that perspective and everything, it, it's kind of like I don't really understand why all of these people have undermined him his entire life. Now, I, I, obviously, obviously, <laughs> blonde ass white girl here is never going to understand <laughs> the racism part of it. And, right. I, and of course I do, you know, that played a part, but it all, apparently like that also wasn't always the situation. Sometimes it was just a nun saying, wait, you No, you don't want to do this for whatever reason. What are your thoughts on that? Because like, I, I feel like, like I said earlier, I really feel like the moment he had a moment to shine, the moment he didn't have Severin stepping in to figure everything out for him. He did a fucking good ass job figuring it out himself. Honestly. I completely agree with you. I do think that a lot of it was racism. Like, I think there was even implication that the nun was like, you can't be the hero because you don't look like a hero. Mm. Um, I do think that there's also something about, I think the only reason that my that wasn't my first conclusion, despite everything that we've read prior to this, was because of the way he remembered it was that she was like, you don't want to be the hero because it's scary. Mm -hmm. like, like she didn't trust him to be able to like remember all the lines and be able to perform in front of people, I guess. My interpretation, and it's only my interpretation, so it could absolutely be not accurate. My interpretation was that was her excuse for we're going to put you in the background and make you a tree because you don't look right. You don't belong. Um, and that a lot of that tends to be around race because he specifically talks about how one of the reasons he wants to be a part of the Illustrados is because he doesn't feel like he belongs anywhere, but he also can't belong with Illustrados because he's not Filipino enough. So he's not, he has this bridge identity, right? And he's not either enough to be accepted. Mm -hmm. And 
so that he gets the racism almost on <laughs> coming and going. Well, and the author is biracial as well. So I feel like that's part of the reason why Enrique or how Enrique is written so well, mm -hmm. because it comes from that extreme place of understanding that I, I mean, to be honest, yeah. like I, no, I, I wish Nami, I wish Nami was here for her yes. perspective as a person of color, but at the same time, like even Nami can't give us that perspective on being biracial. Right. right? Yeah, exactly. She, she, I absolutely can give us the perspective on being I am an American born in America raised in America but you know Indian yeah by you know my family is Indian I, I believe I believe her parents immigrated here I can't recall off the top of my head but yeah it, it, it's I do wish Navi was here for that perspective but we'll definitely have to we'll definitely have to bring that in hopefully she'll be back on our episode two weeks from now and I think I guess like the, hearing it that way you're probably right and i think maybe enrique was just trying to recall this episode from his childhood without bringing that sort of racism into it like he, he didn't see it that way at the time because probably he was too young to understand that's what it was and so and and i, I mean i've been there too like it's stuck in his mind mm -hmm. right that he was told he couldn't be or he shouldn't be the hero because it was too scary and he'd have to memorize all these lines and he'd have to be at the front of the stage and he's not good enough for that basically but yeah you're you're probably right in that it was always about racism and Mm, poor Enrique. I just love him so much. And I just, I like I said, like I said, I mean, and I, I'm pretty sure you agree with me here. He might not have Severin's gift for figuring things out by just looking at them immediately, sort of, he might not be as quick about it, but he had, he, he, he carried them and he mm -hmm. led them. And there was that, I think it was when they got into when they got into house Janice at some point, the cookies were look, they didn't know where to look, right? They were looking at mm -hmm. Severin and then looking at Enrique because they didn't, it's like, we don't know where to look for leadership because we're used to looking to Severin, but Enrique has been leading us. And that yeah. was just like a, see, yeah. you don't need him guys. You don't. Yeah. And honestly, I'm hoping that uh, in the next part, at the very least, Severon doesn't wake up for a little while, and Enrique really carries them through the next pieces, and then he wakes up and is like, if he wakes up, is like, oh shit, Enrique really, like, kicked ass. Yeah. Because, I mean, honestly, I just really want Enrique to get the credit he deserves because he really has done so much this entire series and doesn't always get the credit he deserves so i'm i was so glad that was one of the things i did like about the first two parts of this book was him really kind of growing into this role of not just the historian but also a leader in his own right mm -hmm. yes exactly exactly and and going into, this kind of leads into, because we also, I know we wanted to talk a little bit about Zofia, and we mentioned earlier that she hasn't really gotten as much 
I don't want to call it screen time because I think her chapters are probably, if she doesn't get equal chapter balance with Enrique, I think she gets equal, like, it's almost like close to equal length. It's not like yeah. she's being ignored, but she's definitely not at the forefront of things. But she's had a lot going on in the first half mm-hmm. of this book. And I do want to talk about her perception of the group that we we discussed. I did find the quote, by the way, where she compares them to a scientific formula. But before we do that, I just, she spends a lot of time. And I think, well, I think this goes back to the one of the like two thoughts my exhausted brain could come up with to discuss, <laughs> was like, is it me or is just like so much of at least part one of because we were covering parts one and two, at least part one was just a whole lot of whining and pining and mem- remembering old things from before and like nothing was really happening. And some of the things that, and Sophia had a lot of that and I'm not complaining necessarily about her i'm not complaining specifically about her but because enrique's chapters were the same way it Mm -hmm. it was like a lot of just uh like as a whole just whining and pining like layla and severin pining and enrique and sophia actually that's what it was it was layla and severin pining a little bit of that and and whining especially for severin Mm -hmm. a little bit of the whining and pining maybe for enrique and sophia but a lot of backstory that I feel it was this this half of the book but well let's say the first quarter of the book like part one was really Mm -hmm. loaded with a lot of backstory that it's like remember like book one where it felt like everything was happening all the time and you know book two wasn't quite that quick but it was still up there and now it's like oh my god it's like a hundred a hundred pages or something of uh, just a lot of <laughs> a lot of stuff. A lot of and I, I mean, I literally the first two books I like flew through them, and the first half of this book I didn't have time to start reading it until what was it like Thursday? I think it was Friday of last week, and I slogged through the first part of this book. I mean, it was rough. I I just was like, oh my god, how am I gonna finish this by like Monday or Tuesday? Preferably Monday, so I can write a summary, mm-hmm. stuff, you know. Um, so yeah, I, I do want to talk about Sophia, but before we get into that, what were your thoughts on the whining and pining? And there, I don't know. It, it was so frustrating, and it was uh, part of what frustrated me about it was that even characters that I normally love reading their POVs, like Enrique and uh, Sophia, Enrique only seemed to complain about Severon and admittedly there were some really important pieces in those chapters but it also felt like we could have probably cut the chapters in half and still had everything happen that needed to happen mm-hmm. i mean i also feel like some of these backstory things could have been kind of touched on a little bit more lightly but also they could have been touched on earlier yeah Absolutely. I, I, like sprinkled throughout. I just, yeah, it was, it was a lot. It was a lot. And, and part two got a little bit better because, well, it wasn't like heist on heist on heist. Like, like we talked about the second half with the second half of Silver and Servants. It was more, there was at least like, okay, we're, 
we have to go, to, we found this thing. We have to go to this place to get this thing. We have to go to this place to get this thing. We're meeting back up with Severin again. There's it, it, the thing, even the meeting with Severin is, is kind of a mini whatever, but oh my God, there were like two pages describing Enrique getting ready for that meeting. Is that really necessary? Yeah. I just, at this point, I'm kind of, we're halfway through this book. They haven't even got, gotten to Povelli yet. Uh, Severin is apparently like very, badly wounded and uh how the fuck is, how the fuck is this like how are they gonna wrap how is how is yeah, how does this all happen this in a, like a little over 200 pages or whatever yeah, like exactly. I, I i'm because i'm and i did i did read a little bit past part two because i, I like one chapter past because i couldn't stand being like leaving myself on that complete cliffhanger but yeah i i how is this going to wrap up in half of a book because at this yeah, point no idea. he spent so much time whining and pining and i would say dining just to rhyme but they weren't really <laughs> that, unless you count there the was apples. some dining with ruslan and Severon. oh yeah and there were there were a lot of apples <laughs> being passed around yeah there's some dining it's fine also I do want to say though, real quick, <laughs> random aside, Severin somehow slitting the skin of the apple and tucking a note inside. What the? How the? He's yeah, not a forger. That doesn't. That doesn't. That, that doesn't work that way. Like, I, I just ate an apple like yesterday. You can't just slit the skin and like tuck an entire ass note inside without it being obvious that there's like something going on in that apple although apparently ruslan is just a total fucking idiot because yeah i was really expecting the boat thing to not work like he i'm would... really wondering if something's gonna like something happens to like I, I i can't see right now how ruslan could possibly have survived that but also like it seems way too easy for him to have just died there yeah it does but also i can't unless eva is like still trying to play both sides right i don't see how he possibly could have lived i mean severin got like wounded and he wasn't even on that boat yeah you know like i agree i know that probably he's not actually dead like we have definitely not seen the last of eva and ruslan Ava and Ruslan, but also I want to have seen the last of Ruslan. I know, like, right? I just, I just, I don't care anymore. Like there's half of a book left, like a couple hundred-ish pages. I can't, I don't care anymore about, like I just want, I want the conclusion without, because there's already, you know, there's already going to be nonsense. Like Severin's injured, Layla's mm -hmm. got like days to live and she's having, speaking of Layla, also totally went off track because I meant to talk about Sophia, but we will get to that. But speaking of lately, she's having these bouts of, you know, I call, in the summary, I refer to it as sensory loss. And that is what it is, right? But it's not just mm -hmm. sensory loss. Like she's, she's like not even breathing, I think is the way she describes it at one point. I mean, she's, she's, her body is giving out on her, I guess, you know? That's what's at least strongly implied. Which seems kind of, I get that she has an end date, right? But why is it only all of a sudden happening like three or four days before? You'd think right. that these things would have been happening. That, that, that's not the way it happens. You know what I mean? That's not, yeah. 
I know this is, I know this isn't real life, and there's a magical system involved <laughs> and everything. But I don't know. Is is there? Because I think it started about three days out. Am I right, or was it more like five? It was the day they arrived on the playground. Oh, so okay. So it was more. It was like nine or ten. Maybe seven. No, it was nine. Seven, it, was nine maybe? It, was, it was nine or ten, I think. Okay, because I was gonna say if it was like three days out, like are we trying to do some Jesus thing here? Like, <laughs> like please don't, please don't. I don't think that Rashani Chakshi would do that, but uh, yeah. So she's having these like weird, complete sensory loss like situations, and I don't know. It, there's too much going on for Ruslan and Eva to come back, but I know they probably will, which is driving me crazy. Yeah. Because I don't, I do not want. Well, it's like Ava, we know, was wearing a lot of armor, like not armor, armor, but like. Oh her... no! They, yeah, yeah. They, I don't think she's dead at all. No. no. But we, but we've also got so many teases about the rest of the fallen house basically being dead that we haven't actually seen paid off. So something still has to do, has has to happen with that. Honestly, like the descriptions of them, they sound like they're just undead behind kind of suits of armor type things. It reminds yeah. me of um, Sir Robert Strong in Sunrise of Fire, mm -hmm. a.k.a. Gregor mm -hmm. Clegane, also known as Sir Robert Strong in Game of Thrones. Like, mm -hmm. that's what it reminds me of. And yeah, I, I do not trust that Ruslan. It's, it's... Yeah. I feel like something has to happen with that, but I guess in two weeks we will yeah have found yeah. out and we hopefully. will be talking about what the fuck is going on hopefully that won't just be dropped on its head okay so back to Zofia who like we went totally off track but back to, yeah. back to the original back to the original thought uh Zofia there's a lot of and again this is why I kind of went off on that tangent about the whining and pining and I don't think Zofia is whining okay I don't but it is a lot of her thinking about her sister and what's going on with her sister and just mm -hmm. open the fucking letter, Zofia. Right. Like I get I understand as a character why she didn't, but at the same time it was like, just open the fucking letter. Seriously. Seriously. And now it's gone, right? Yeah. Now it's gone. So but she didn't really do much other than think about her letter she wasn't opening and worry about her sister and work in her little makeshift laboratory in the safe house. But then she goes on a little mission with Hypnos and mm -hmm. Enrique and, and Enrique. Like, I'm going to read this because it's an actual quote from you. So I feel like it's just going to be funnier. Kind of <laughs> Is there still a chance for us to have an Enrique hinge relationship with both Sophia and Hypnos? <laughs> actual quote from Nick. Yes. Because, <laughs> but also so for me, because I was thinking the same thing the whole time. Right? Because so we get this, uh, this moment with Hypnos and Enrique before Sophia and Enrique kiss and it's really actually incredibly sweet because hypnos explains himself and so enrique who thinks he's basically been rejected understands now that what hypnos was saying was it's not enrique it's hypnos like he could see himself loving enrique but that's just not how he's used to being and he needs time to figure out if that's a thing that he's wants mm -hmm. right 
And it's actually like, a, I thought a really beautiful moment and they kind of reconnect and they say, okay, we're going to be friends for now and we'll see where yes. things go essentially. And then Enrique and Sofia end up in this, uh, being the passengers in the, the boat who ultimately have to kiss to keep Ruslan from seeing them. Uh, and at first the kiss is kind of perfunctory or not perfunctory, but uh, we, performative. Need to, we need to make the, yeah, we need to make the thing happen real quick. And Sophia's like, just kiss me. <laughs> and then Enrique's like super suave. Oh, I like, was just saying that. It was so suave. Go on. Okay. <laughs> like, like, oh, it could be so much better. And he like kisses her and, and Sophia's like, super into it and of course she loses her letter which by the way i want to come back to that because i i i do have one possible theory about that uh that that might be like if ruslan lives through this it's because he found that letter and knew that Sophia was near the gondola and then somehow like did something i don't know what anyway uh so Zavia and Enrique have this super sweet moment and Hypnos is like, listen, uh, Enrique saw you kissing Sophia. That was really hot. I want to know more. Also, I totally am here for y'all and think that's great. And also I'm not jealous about it at all. And, uh, you know, got a big heart and a big and trails off. So I'm super shipping Enrique with both Zofia and Hypnos because I think that would be fantastic. I agree. Do I really think it'll happen? Mm, Probably uh, I'm, not. I, I'm, I'm on like the, there's like a 30% chance it will happen, but yeah. I agree that it could work. Even if it doesn't happen, I agree that it could work. And I think that's important to note, honestly. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, when Hypnos in, Silver Serpents told Enrique whatever he said about like I need time or whatever. Like I I actually didn't I know Enrique read it because he's been rejected so much in his life. Mm -hmm. He read that as a rejection of himself. I didn't read it that way. I read it as I need time to figure out things for myself before I am comfortable committing. And I think this is really important to note that. Enrique himself even thinks Hypnos never, he never lied to him. He never portrayed yeah. it any, really. Enrique was in his own head and he wanted things. And this wasn't like Hypnos playing games or Hypnos being a jerk or anything like that. And I think that's why even when Hypnos first said that, I, while I understand why Enrique read it that way, I read it exactly the way hypnos described it like you're a person i could absolutely feel this way about but it's you know i'm not there yet sort of situation also i think like i just love hypnos so much that i like needed it to be that way so i was so glad when it actually was maybe mm -hmm. okay so your thoughts what were your thoughts on zofia and her sister's letter i mean just open the fucking letter yes but oh right so <laughs> It did make me think when it happened, I was like, this is going to be how Ruslan figures out that mm -hmm. uh, that they're involved somehow. 
and that there's well, some it, plot uh, going Eva, Eva even says to Severin at one point, like, he knows something's going on, right? Yeah. But I exactly. couldn't remember if that was before or after Sophia lost the letter, so. Yeah, I don't remember either. But yeah, so that that's the only thing that I'm like, maybe this is how mm. he survives. But I don't really understand how without Ava's help, so like the only thing I could think of is like, okay, so maybe Ruslan also used, I almost said blood bending, blood forging, uh, to appear as somebody else so that it's not Ruslan who was on that gondola. It was, you know, somebody. Oh, shit. I didn't even think about that. Fuck. But that then requires Ava to have betrayed them. Yeah. And I don't Which think it doesn't seem like she would at this point. I don't think so. Yeah. Like we're not given a reason to believe that she would do that. Yeah. She's too contrite. And yeah. Layla is even granted Layla read some of her objects, but I also think that Layla reads people very well, even, you know, without touching them. Right. So She's literally like the only character in this series that can do that who yeah. actually can like understand human emotion apparently yeah 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 exactly and except for except for severin maybe <laughs> she can't yeah. she can't nobody understands Severin. Lily. she's got a blind spot for yeah. severin oh uh -huh, i've been there girl um yeah, we've all been there <laughs> so ah uh, shit i didn't even think about that but you're i god i hope not because i don't like uh, I want yeah. to believe it really did seem legit. I don't think Ava was playing a game. So I will say this, if that's what happened, if, if Ava, no, I really don't know. She, cause what she said, what she said, yeah. cause she was, uh, she had, had made herself look like Severin, I guess. And, and mm -hmm. she was like, you know, Basically, like the Lannisters send their regards. Yeah, she was like joke on it, bitch. Ava, whatever the fuck her last name is, sends her regards, motherfucker. So or, then no, the actually, it was more like, was more like the, real, the real, the the real Lannister sends yeah, his regards, exactly. and so do I, bitch. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I really. The only other have... thing I can think of is that like Ruslan had also worn armor reinforced clothing or something which just seems i don't know it's hard for me to imagine a good storytelling device that gets ruslan out of this is i yes. guess what it comes down to other than him being like undead and and just kind of into the <laughs> yeah maybe he just like zombie walks into the, the last chapter or something but also like they there's only that one mind forge map and they've like they've all read it at least in the i, I don't know if those things are i don't know if they at least I, I, unless there's another mind forge map how would he even find them right yeah. unless it's a robes pierre <laughs> rochambeau situation <laughs> <laughs> where he just shows up later when they all think they're all happy and think they've won and he just yeah. like comes in and murders people which i guess like that would be a good like full circle callback to book Go one to book one please no oh, please don't do that oh god okay well one last thing i want to talk about and this is something that you brought up 
was mm -hmm. in the second to last chapter of the first half of this book. It's Zofia's perception of the group, and she relates them to a scientific formula. And like I said, I did find the quote. So this is from Zofia. It was like physics, the study of working mechanisms and the interplay of light. Layla was a fulcrum, the point around which all things in their group seemed to pivot. Severin was mass, the weight that changed their direction. Enrique gave them depth. Zofia hoped she offered light. She was not sure what Hypnos contributed to the group, but she could not imagine it without him. Perhaps that made him perspective. My favorite part about that quote is Hypnos in it. <laughs> yes. I fucking love that because I love Hypnos, one of my favorite characters up there with Enrique. And I love that she's like, you know, I'm not entirely sure what his purpose is, but I can't imagine the group without him anymore. And it's just, I feel like that's so perfect. I think that her, that Zofia thinking of Leia, Le, Leia, wow. <laughs> Freudian slip. Layla as the fulcrum around which the group pivots. It's implied maybe that the reasoning for that is because she is the one who has the countdown to death, right? Mm -hmm. But I think what it really is, is that Layla is the caretaker. It is always the caretaker. It's the mom friend that brings everybody together, right? Yes. She might not be the leader that Severin is. She might not give them the depth that Enrique gives with his knowledge. She you know, and, and I agree, Sophia being the light is just so, like, I hope I'm the light. Mm -hmm. I mean, yes, girl, you are. Although, also, though, it might, I she might have that wrong. Hypnos might be the light and she might be the perspective. Interesting. Yeah. I, 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 I would, I would, I would like to see, that actually might be something I want to look into and, like, essay about or ask mm -hmm. Nami to help me essay about later because I do think that 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 could be uh, hypnosis he is very positive and hopeful mm -hmm. all the time and not saying that Zofia is like pulling them down because she's not obviously. obviously but I I do think that Zofia might actually be the perspective because she is the one where when they have to, when they're discussing things with her and stuff, she's the one that makes them think in those scientific terms that actually mm -hmm. get them to the end point a lot of the time. Outside of Severin's you know, magic ability to, quote unquote, magic ability to figure things out real quick. I, yeah, I, th I think, but regardless, Sophia is obviously imperative, and yes. but yeah, I do, I do think Layla is the is the fulcrum, not even though I think it's implied probably that she's a fulcrum, the point around which they're all revolving because she is the one they're trying to save. I think that that makes her way too much of a tragic character. And I think that really she's a fulcrum because she is, she's the one that brought them together. She is the one yeah. who brought the cookies to the meeting the first time, you know, With the heart. Yes, exactly. So. Yeah. I'm just, I'm, really wondering where we're going from here like yeah. like you were saying earlier like how how do we fit everything that needs to happen into this short period of book oh i will be finishing this book within the next like day and a half i think like, I know. I, this is, this is going to be like I, I just immediately sit down and start reading because i'm 
holding myself back from it because I didn't <laughs> want to screw something up. <laughs> yep. So hard. So Absolutely. Okay. Well, I'm going to close this out with a quote real quick. The one I've chosen for tonight is territory unknown. Layla smiled. She liked that idea that in the vast places where the world became unfamiliar, there might be something as beautiful and remarkable as dragons lying in wait. I loved that, especially yeah. as a Song of Ice and Fire you know, Game of Thrones fan. <laughs> and also it kind of brought me back to terror a little bit, but. All right. As we close out this episode, we just want to give a shout out to our Heroes Tier patron, Tommy of the TKOK Podcast Network. Thank you so much, Tommy, for supporting us. Once again, I am Tara along with Nick. Thank you for joining us for Sagas and Sass. We will be back in two weeks to discuss the second half of the Bronze Beasts. We will end Ooh. this series and then we'll let you guys know what our next... Uh, episode will be well i guess i guess actually i think we're i think we're announcing our fourth season before then but it's still a big secret unless you're a, unless you're a patron they find out next week so it's it'll, true it'll, it'll be a while before anybody else finds out though all right well thank you so much nick this is a great discussion and we'll see everybody in two weeks Thank you for listening to the Sagas and Sass podcast. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Sagas and Sass.